Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another edition of uh, Masala PTI, uh, guys. It's uh, football season. Ravi, how does it feel to be actually in the midst of the NFL season? It feels surreal, uh, Arvind. You know, irrespective of the fact that uh, we've had the pleasure of following uh, the NBA in the bubble for the last couple of months, and it has been some terrific, exciting games. Nothing beats the NFL, I feel, for various reasons. Uh, uh, and, and so it finally feels like we are having a, a return to normalcy in our lives. And I know right, that's right. silly. but Well, you, you uh, said various reasons, but I know the primary reason, I think, is fantasy, right? Indeed, uh, yeah. The day the fantasy draft happened, actually, it felt uh, real. And it felt the same as the previous years, even though everything else is different with crowds and lack of crowds and bubbles and whatnot. To me, Ravi Sports had always looked a little off the last few months, even though I've been watching and enjoying it. But when we had our draft in our league of record, as we call it, it was just fantastic. It felt like, oh man, this is a level of normalcy in sports I have not had for a long time. And yesterday's game kind of felt a little bit normal too for me, despite just the stands having 22% of the fans and things like that. But anyway, we, you know, I got too excited about football. I didn't even introduce ourselves. This is Aravind and Ravi is my co-host. So we'll just get into some NFL and fantasy stuff today. Uh, so what did caught your eye, uh, Ravi, uh, from yesterday. I'll tell you one one uh, not so important but pet peeve of mine. I had a tough time keeping up with two DJs, David Johnson and Duke Johnson, both playing for the Houston uh, <laughs> Texans. <laughs> Other than that, uh, I thought CEH was just everything uh, that was advertised and more. He was just fantastic. And the football felt uh, not too bad. Uh, it didn't feel to me like they were rusty or anything like that. It was a little spotty, but overall, I thought it was a good show by both teams. And of course, Kansas City seemed to be, you know, starting well. They left off. Uh, what caught your eye? What What are your initial thoughts after Game One of the 2020 NFL season? So very similar to yours, Arvind. You know, the, the only. Uh, uh, aspects of uh, rustiness uh, or the lack of preseason games as such, uh, it felt like we're seen in the first quarter, right? Where a couple of passes just going awry or on defense, uh, some missed tackles. But once that kind of got over, mm-hmm. uh, I thought uh, it felt like, uh, uh, you know, resumption of normalcy as far as the quality of football is concerned as well. Uh, and then uh, I was just stunned by uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know that there has been a lot of hype about him, as well as the fact that he plays for you know the, one of the best, if not the best, offenses. But still, right. to drum up uh, what he did, it was just fantastic seeing him uh, in action yesterday. So, but overall, football with even twenty percent crowd, great to see. Right, I, I agree with Ceh. Uh, you know. 
despite all the hype and expectation i was like as somebody who has not drafted him in any of my leagues i was kind of hoping that those other guys would have a good day and i can pick them up on the waiver wire or something like that like daryl williams or uh you know somebody else but looks like it is firmly in his hands that starting running back job and he looked terrific um what what did you think of uh, deshawn watson and patrick mahomes the qbs i thought both of them performed under expectation from a fantasy perspective uh, obviously mahomes won and i don't think uh, is nothing to knock on his uh, you know performance but just from a fantasy perspective uh he was i would say a couple of points lower than expectation even projections uh and then deshon watson ravi like we were talking offline i i i'm still not i'm kind of on the fence with him so i i really hope that he shows us this season that uh, he's an elite elite quarterback uh to me he has always been a little up and down and of course this coaching is not great uh but overall what did you think of the quarterback play i think i expect obviously a great fantasy season from mahomes but do you think he is hitting the 50 touchdown area or he's going to shut you know fall a little shorter than that and and you know where do you think uh, watson is right now so interesting you talk about the 50 touchdown threshold or when because yesterday i thought uh, at least from my uh, viewpoint mahomes didn't look very sharp and still ended up with not only decent fantasy yardage but he got three touchdowns as well uh, and if that was in what i would at least look at as a subpar game i think he is uh, got every chance he's got every chance to get to that 50 touchdown uh, uh, threshold this year right what really got, and but before getting to watson one other piece of observation from a fantasy slash kansas city roster perspective is we all have had our feelings about you know kc being a very potent offense and ceh you know being a top round pick as well as you know you always talk about kelsey and hill but we all always have a tough time figuring out what to do with sammy watkins yeah. and he's a player i don't want to own or i don't want to be the one kind of picking him up but he's always someone that i feel that you know what he will end up with like two or three or four massive games and the same thing happened yesterday where right. he was the leading receiver so i don't know what the narrative with him is where everyone says he's washed up he didn't look washed up yesterday he also yeah. plays for the same potent offense as the others but for some reason he's never in favor for any of us when we are looking for wide same receivers here. yeah same here i think you hit it on the head i think he's just not consistent ravi that's it so the ceiling floor right the most common overused fantasy terms i think for yeah. uh, hill they are kind of uh, high right both the ceiling and the floor is high for this guy it's pretty much all over the place uh, i don't know why that is uh, maybe a more keener uh, football mind like chris collinsworth or somebody can explain to us why you are right he had a great game yesterday and he will again right a few times this year but his floor just seems to be really the floor uh, but i was a little bit uh, disappointed with like michael hartman and things like that but like you said it's a long way to go and maybe uh, pat mahomes is a little rusty or whatever 
but kelsey looked the same watkins looked great uh, everything looked uh, kind of the same uh, except maybe uh, hartman and kyrie kill and those guys will get their turn at the you know touchdown sticks pretty soon but all, so on that yeah yeah on that you know uh, and we have talked about the concept of handcuffs in obviously in running backs since yeah. time fantasy football was invented but i feel hardman at best is the perfect handcuff wide receiver to tyreek hill um and and that's unfortunate because i think that dude is a is an ultimate speedster capable of racking up stats but to me in the kc offense Uh, even DeMarcus Robinson gets more uh, uh, playing time than Hardman so if you look at the pecking order it is always going to be Kelsey Tyreek Hill the running back Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. DeMarcus Robinson and then Michael Hardman so i think unfortunately or unfortunately that point has not changed since from last season to this one as far as how the KC offense goes right they are they they are looking almost the same except for uh, ceh taking up like damian williams uh, spot and that's and, right and demarcus robinson had a lot of touches early and i'm sure you noticed that too so we may have to keep an eye on him uh, actually i owned him at some point last year and then he kind of uh, didn't do much uh so he could be a sleeper down the road but you know their offense is good and i think uh Houston uh David Johnson as a, as Cardinals uh, Arizona Cardinals fans we obviously had an eye on him and he looked great uh I think as long as he's going to be healthy I think uh, he's going to be a key player in that uh offense uh I also won't Ravi Brandon Cooks so I'm really concerned about him obviously I think he's dealing with some injuries he's having a slow start in a new team um as far as the receivers go i think uh, will fuller was the only guy who who looked good yesterday and uh, that's a situation we need to keep an eye on from a fantasy perspective without you know deandre hopkins i don't know how that uh, offense is going to shake out and if there are any uh, sleepers you see there on that side of the football for uh, houston yeah and i think with houston and this this in my mind at least is relevant to the deshaun watson conversation as well as overall what happens to houston uh, offense i feel it all lies squarely on bill o'brien i hate him as a coach i feel he's <laughs> you know way over his head in terms of uh, his capabilities both as a coach as well as uh, a football uh, 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 you know uh, administrator or a gm uh, yeah. and you know we'll wait and see how the trade which is being called the worst trade in the last decade or so let's see how it pans out but yesterday was a perfect example where you kind of saw that despite the fact that dj looked good you could see that deandre hopkins was being missed uh, yeah. will fuller is not a number one receiver he had good stats at the end of the day as is the case with deshaun watson in most of his games but i feel a he's not as consistent as a top 5 qb uh, should be and b again i think he's being hamstrung by the fact that bill o'brien's coaching sucks and he's never showed up his offensive line to really support his qb uh, they still right. look like a turnstile yesterday yes and 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 this is with the healthy will fuller right imagine this offense when he gets hurt it seems to happen uh, you know three games into every season yeah and we yeah, yeah go ahead say, i don't even know what they do if uh, will fuller is 
uh, hurt and then they got to work with these other receivers yeah you might end up with randall cobb as the prized waiver wire asset by week 3 yeah yeah so that's the scary part for the dolphins because they both below brian and the team has to show some progress this year i feel like they have been kind of stuck in the mud the last few years uh despite Correct. all sense of hope and future expectations and things like that and with deandre hopkins gone they they better not uh, stay take a step back and that that would be a challenge and it is a little cu- i'm all, i'm a little curious especially after reading that article uh, i don't know if you had a chance to read the article on deandre hopkins and his departure uh, uh peter king or uh, i forget who it was but it was part of the whole mmqb uh, site mm-hmm. they talked about the fact that deandre hopkins had made up his mind after their playoff loss that he was no longer going to be in houston and not by his own accord mm-hmm. you know it was basically work things were working under the radar there were there was simmering tension between him and uh, bill o'brien and all of that was going on and what i find especially curious after reading that is a there seems to be a narrative here of not just with him but if you uh, if you know uh, andre johnson who was a who was also working in some kind of wide receiver coach capacity for the texans re- you know re- resigned from his job 2 3 weeks ago it yeah. just feels yeah. like that team is stuck in mud they're stuck in a rut and pretty much every major decision either administratively or xno xsnos seems to be you know taken by this one guy who frankly is mediocre at best i uh, you put yeah that's the right way to put it i i am also surprised that he has survived all this and he's still going strong uh, but i think it is luck may run out if Uh, I'm talking about Bill O'Brien. If if he doesn't, if the Houston Texans don't do something semi-impressive this year, if it's another mediocre go in, you know, in the first round and lose to Cincinnati type year, I think uh, he's going to be in trouble. I mean, not that Cincinnati is going to make it this year, but you know, they. I feel like they've been losing to Cincinnati for like 18 years or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy. I think last year it was. Uh, uh they had a good one against buffalo which they almost lost right uh and then you know kansas city took care of them so they need to do something semi impressive this year for him to keep his job um that's right a, i think that's a good summary on <coughs> kc and houston and they definitely got us in the mood for uh, you know football and fantasy football as well now speaking of deandre hopkins uh, i was just wondering if we could pick two or three two great matchups this weekend well let's make it three because we all know what is one of them right which is uh, Arizona and San Francisco so let's pick at yes. least two other good matchups you are looking forward to uh, i can start surprisingly i looked through the schedule and it looks like there aren't that many exciting games for a week one week one usually you would think uh every game has some meaning which i guess i'm excited for all of them but at the same time i feel like uh there are not that many you know really elite matchups one of yeah. them clearly at least for you and me is uh cardinals at uh san francisco if if that game even happens right Because, yes uh, yes that's right the, yeah the air quality here is pretty bad 
and ideally i should be there at the in the in the stands with the season tickets but uh, obviously santa clara county is not letting fans in yet plus i gave up my seats for the entire year uh um, oh okay yeah i just said we'll reconvene next year so that's definitely one of the uh, games i think it's going to be tight if people think cardinals are going to be a pushover i think they are in for a root shock uh 49ers better be ready for that now the other obvious one i'm really looking forward to ravi is the bucks saints one obviously brady mm. versus breeze that's a no brainer um that would be fascinating to watch if if uh, you know where uh, the bucks are right we, i think we all kind of know where saints are they are always good and you know they their offense is going to do what they always do bucks are going to be the 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 new unknown in that matchup and we'll see where that goes and the third one ravi that i am looking forward to is packers and vikings uh, obviously uh, nfc north matchup with epic uh, implications plus i want to see what aaron rodgers does you know aaron rodgers sneakily i'm sure you are aware of this uh, but i don't know how many of our listeners actually know he he had taken a pretty big step back last year and yeah. nobody really noticed because the team won and they probably did better than what they've been doing the last few years because they went to the NFC championship game right yes but from a fantasy perspective and a quarterback perspective they took a pretty big step back and in retrospect it makes sense why they drafted uh, a quarterback in their first round now the question is was that just a a blip was it just a new coach and uh, rogers ceding a lot of uh, offensive power to that guy or is it really something uh, you know going south with aaron rogers now if you look at his projections this year he was really low in fantasy uh, drafts right not that that's a huge indicator of how good a quarterback is but clearly he was a consensus top 3 for what like 10 years now right it's not this year but you also see some projections where they're saying he's going to be the mvp so it's really fascinating to me uh just before the sh- this show ravi i was just reading an article where people are saying he's going to be the mvp so i'm really fascinated to see where he's going to end up and how he looks against uh vikings so those are my three uh games packers vikings uh cardinals uh niners and of course bucks saints uh how do you look at the slate of games this weekend So there are two additional games that I'm keen on from a pure football perspective uh, but before I go to them did want to highlight one other thing to look for in the Bucks versus uh, Saints matchup and that is that for some reason if Breeze decides not to play the game or if he uh, has some unfortunate reason not to uh, you know stay in the game we will have the ultimate revenge matchup of James versus the Bucks right i mean that would be something to see <laughs> <laughs> so well, in he, any case he, he may he may actually complete more passes to the <laughs> to the so he'll finally make some passes to the bucks right he'll, he'll, he'll yeah he'll throw some act, finally throw some touchdowns to uh, well actually he'll still not throw touchdowns to mike evans and chris godwin yeah. but um the games that in addition to the ones that you mentioned i think seahawks falcons is a matchup that i'm keen to see what happens uh, uh, not as much from the seahawks perspective i expect them to be good but to me the team that i wouldn't be surprised if they if they end up winning their division when people don't really expect them to are the falcons 
Mm. Last year, I thought. I have heard that. Uh, I have heard that a little bit, but go on. Yeah, okay. See, last year I thought their Achilles heel was just the fact that they couldn't get a consistent running game. And again, similar to your DJ uh, David Johnson point earlier, I feel practically the exact same thing about Gurley, which is he didn't all of a sudden wake up and become a bad running back. he a couple of years ago was the focal point of the best offense in the nfl basically shawn mcway's entire game plan was centered around you know uh, gurley running the ball and then using the play action to th- throw to cooks and Cha- i mean uh, cooper cup and robert woods and to me if you literally just transplant gurley's value in that offense to what he could potentially do in atlanta in an indoor stadium which is kind of like going to be like a track meet with julio and calvin ridley uh, ryan looking at least last year still as good as he ever has been to me that has the makings of a potent offense a and seattle is always competitive so you know that that is going to be an exciting one to look for uh, and the second yeah. one which is between two teams that i in general am not a fan of at all i just hate the cowboys and i am not a fan of the rams because they play in the same division as the cards and i feel the rams also got too much hype before they became any good for a consistent period uh, so so that will be interesting purely because i think both are teams uh, that came off of a great season couple of or you know in 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 recent times and then had some wavered uh, 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 you know portions of the season uh, last year and the year before uh, this they both are teams that people are looking at with some expectation so that's another game that i'm uh, that i'm looking at i mean yes. this is purely from a football perspective right. obviously both you and i have a bunch of fantasy players who are in new surroundings that we are keen on seeing how things pan out Yes, yes. So the, these are great picks. Actually, the Cowboys Rams is Sunday night, right? That should be a good one as mm-hmm. well. Um, on the Falcons, actually, uh, I was going to also have them as interesting fantasy uh, players. Now, I, I, you know, we can just pivot and pick a couple of interesting fantasy players that we have an eye on. Obviously, somebody who drafted Todd Gurley. Uh, you already referenced him in your, uh, you know. points about the falcons i am really curious to see how he looks with the falcons right and yeah. i agree with you uh, with your point on his comparison to david johnson but the only concern ravi obviously you drafted david johnson and i drafted gurley and i was uh, ahead of you and we could have easily switched spots there as well because they're you're right they're exactly in similar situations the only point with gurley is whether is situation is more chronic at least with dj his injuries don't seem to be chronic maybe he'll get injured maybe he won't but gurley has a little bit of a higher uh, health risk i think or a health situation if you will but with that sure. said i am truly looking forward to that uh, match up as a dot gurley owner uh, to see how he works out um any other names that pop into your head as a fascinating fantasy guys to keep an eye on because there's quite a few guys who have switched teams and you know a uh, lot of shake up especially at the quarterback position this off season what else are you yeah, looking it, forward to so you you hit the nail on it said there are a few quarterbacks that i'm keen to see what happens outside of their comfort zone cam newton being the first one of those you know he kind of has uh, lived his football life being that mobile 
immovable object uh, playing and running the offense for carolina and now being in a very uh, coach and schematic driven structure in new england where he basically has to follow a set of you know uh, you know uh, rules and uh, play a certain way for uh, belichick so it will be interesting to see how that pans out both in terms of new england patriots as a team but also cam newton as a fantasy relevant qb and pretty much the same exact thing is what i am eager to see what pans out with philip rivers because again i think much of especially the last 3 or 4 seasons of him as a chargers qb was around him playing sandlot football right i mean just yeah. making plays out of his ass throwing it to ekeler when nothing else seemed to be available and he goes to again now he's going to play for the colts where i feel they have an excellent offensive mind in frank reich uh, who has some solid creative plays so i'm interested in seeing if philip rivers catches on to that i mean I, he's you know maybe he will but it's just going to be intriguing to watch those are great picks uh speaking of camera we i also have an eye on uh, our arizona state sun devil nikhil harry in that offer mm, right right uh, i was he even drafted in our league by the way i was just curious i don't i think he's still available he yeah. is still available so i think i i expect some good things from him even though cam is not known for accuracy and things like that but maybe this guy can go up and catch some of the stuff he throws to him but uh I I I hope he has a great uh, second year in that offense. Um those are some good lists I think without the preseason I think we are all a little bit handicapped in terms of even predicting what's going to happen with some of these situations right we are totally at the mercy of the beat writers and guys who have been in the practice facilities looking at these guys and they've gotten some of these things right right with CEH and things like that. we couldn't see it in the preseason but these guys clearly knew what was coming so hopefully they have made more right calls and hopefully we have followed that and drafted some of these guys i think starting next week ravi obviously we would have a, a bunch more insights into ad drops and boom busts and things like that oh while we are at it uh, maybe we should just sorry for springing this on you maybe we should just throw a couple of busts for the season uh from a fantasy perspective uh i was just thinking for some reason whenever i say bus ben rathlisberger's name pops in my head <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but any anything like that for you i think ben is going to have a rough season uh so you know the interesting you say ben because i also have a quarterback in my head as a potential bust candidate and i'm assuming we are talking about bust in relation to where they were drafted or where they are typically being drafted and the uh, guy i have well, that that would uh, apply to ben because i don't ben because he's not being yeah yeah <laughs> which which makes me feel i guess somewhat better of, of my pick because that's going yeah. to be josh allen Uh, because you know, and he because obviously uh, not just ahead of Ben because Ben's not being drafted at all. But obviously Josh Allen in consensus, uh, uh, you know, pick uh, he's he's been drafted ahead of uh, not only Rogers and Breeze but Brady as well, and uh, yes. possibly what the sixth or fifth or sixth running back or sixth fifth or sixth quarterback off the board or seventh possibly. Seventh, I think, yeah. 
and to me the pedigree doesn't dictate that at all i know last year he had a fantastic season and i know you were the recipient of uh, yeah. the richness yeah. that was josh <laughs> allen last year but to me again you know that offense is dictated around winning 19 to 16 games or 20 yeah. to 17 at best and uh, i uh, i don't know how you replicate that degree of uh, quarterback on. efficiency hold on i'm going to challenge you on that but i okay I, i would uh, start with the disclaimer so i was all gungo on him again right maybe i'm biased because i had an eye on him for a couple of years and last year like you said i owned him and he was fantastic right everybody was mm-hmm. making fun of me but he just was fine right especially yeah. where i picked him now this year also i was going to pick him and then i saw so many experts like you putting him on their bus list which totally scared me off right Like, okay I, like i saw a matrix on espn with like 10 people picking busts and every position almost all 10 of them had like 10 different people or at least guys would repeat only once or twice right and then i look at quarterback like eight of them have josh allen i'm like, wow what the hell is going on so i stayed away from him but honestly ravi i don't get it now i can see where he can be a bust from a nfl developmental you know buffalo bills going to the super bowl standpoint right that may not happen but i don't understand why he will underperform in fantasy compared to last year because not only is he going to be one year better they have not had huge losses on the offensive side of the ball and they have added that guy i'm blanking on his name the minnesota the stefan digs yeah yeah so where do you see the uh, fantasy uh, failing on him I I didn't get it but again I'm not putting you on the spot I saw like so many people pick him as a bust I, I chickened out but I still didn't get why they were picking him what do you So you know and I'll tell you what I will admit that my rejoinder to that is not my own native thought it it is stolen from from as you said some of the others uh, who obviously do not regard him very highly but there were two data points that made me feel validated about this one is mm-hmm. his average total yards thrown for improved from 170 yards in his rookie season to about 195 last year so there wasn't like all of a sudden just a dramatic you know jump as far as qb efficiency or yardage thrown and i'll come to why i feel that's important because if you compare that with some other qbs who started off as being very cautious name mm-hmm. the biggest one of them all was brady right remember his first season where you wouldn't think of him as someone who ended up throwing for 50 touchdowns 8 years later or 6 years later so josh allen did not have that jump and second and so so there wasn't really a clear linear progression in terms of him becoming a much better qb in traditional sure. terms second thing is that what and this is i will again uh, in the spirit of honesty admit that i read this at uh, pro football focus then they talked about him having a significantly greater percentage of what they designed what they defined as points of broken plays then you would typically associate with a quarterback like you know yeah. non designed runs basically yeah. plays breaking down and him just running in from the one yard line or things like that i mean those were just some of the examples and those are not likely to replicate or those are not not like to likely to repeat at least at the same level or at the same proportion year over year so okay. they said that 
when you compare that with a Mahomes or uh, like a Rogers in his heyday or even Wilson, Wilson is actually the example they pointed to, who's a much, who's a very similar, or they, he and Josh Allen are of the same ilk. They won't throw for 400 yards, but you kind of, at the end of the day, see that they are in a, you know, top five, top seven quarterback points fantasy-wise for the week. But in Wilson's case, I think what they say is it has evolved to a point where you're expecting it. It's not what they call, again, unexpected uh, points, whereas in in Josh Allen's case, the, the jury is still out. So those are the two things that I felt were quite relevant. And as you said, they made me quite scared also when I saw him as one of the quarterbacks that I had the option to pick and I did not. Yeah, so I, I, my point is the broken place is why he's even a viable option in fantasy, right? Because the guy can run. So that's yeah, what really yeah. he gave me last year. Even he was never, uh, you know, 400 yards four touchdown guy on the air but he will always run for 70 yards and a touchdown and I would be happy as a fantasy owner right yes so yes my take and it is everything you explain kind of makes sense so I'm I'm willing to accept that he may be a bust in the sense that he was the 17th drafted quarterback last year and he's the seventh or whatever yes year. yes exactly right? exactly and that's what he puts up the same number he was a steal last year he may be a little below seven this year right from that yeah. perspective i agree with you that he will put up the same number or slightly better but i am going to say that he's going to put up the same number or slightly better Maybe agreed both saying the same thing same, i totally agree so and you just gave me a good way of kind of communicating my my definition of him being a bust. I think last year, let's assume that he finished as the 10th best QB game by game basis, but he was drafted as the 17th best. I have a fairly, I agree with you. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he again comes up as the 10th best QB at the end of the year. Unfortunately, though, he's being drafted much higher than what, 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 what that is. Yeah, That's fair. So that's all my point is. My point is he's going to be about the same or better. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, but I agree with you. I wouldn't bet my paycheck that uh, he, he would justify his draft position or outdo the draft position. Okay, that's fair. Sure, sure. We arrived at some level of consensus. Cool. I think uh, anything else on the football side before we uh, hit a couple of things on uh, basketball? No, I think we did cover uh, football quite a bit. Okay, so let's. Uh, I, I want to give you a shout out because you sent me this note this morning saying that uh, Sonia Raman is going to be like a, a first Indian woman assistant basketball coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. That's just just amazing at so many levels. Uh, Ravi, thanks for sharing. And I think as Indian Americans, uh, that's just almost it came out of the blue, right? We, we didn't even know of this person and she was apparently the head coach at MIT. And, yes. Uh, she's now in the NBA. That's just mind-blowing. Just for being a woman, that would have been impressive. But for being a woman of color and especially Indian immigrants, Indians don't have a big presence in the sports landscape in the US, as most people probably know. This was just a fantastic uh, uh, bit of news. Uh, you know, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, absolutely, Arvind. And you, you, you said it correctly that this is kind of staggering and very uh, a pr- proud moment on various levels. I mean, you talk about a, 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 a woman coach uh, being hired uh, in what has been a traditionally patriarch sport right the end i mean any of these sports are yeah. um second thing is uh you're right i mean someone uh, uh, a woman of color and that to an indian american woman and being hired not from say uh, having played or being in a coaching capacity in the pro- other professional league like say the wnba but actually from college i think that is in itself unique and right. uh, great in a way and last but not the least to me it also matters that again the the the, the university or the academic institution from which she has been hired, it's not your Connecticut, Tennessee right. Right. Uh, types. It is, uh, you know, MIT. Uh, and I, frankly speaking, did not even know that the MIT basketball team was called the engineers. <laughs> yeah, uh, <me> <laughs> and I just saw that today. And that coupled, coupled with the fact that, uh, you know, her past includes getting a doctorate in law from Boston. Uh, yes. uh, you know, call, I mean, it just, you just feel like she's, in a lot of ways, the ultimate stereotype of what Indian Americans are known for, like going to top schools, going yeah. into law or medicine or engineering, and then going to MIT. Oh, by the way, she's a basketball coach. Yeah. Uh, that's just staggering. That's amazing. And oh, she's also a Special Olympics tennis coach, apparently. That is crazy. I mean, in her, in her uh, free time. So, and you, you know what's the most uh, though surprising and unfortunately not in a good way thing about all of this is prior to this morning, I had no idea who she was, and I feel for all of these accomplishments, yeah. I should have at least known about her. Right, that's true. Uh, I'm also curious what was the uh, what is the role going to be, right? Is she going at the cost of stereotyping? Is she going to be more on the analytics side, you know, given her MIT engineers uh, coaching pedigree and her own law degree and all of that? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, what 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 brought her into the NBA world? Because there are so many, like you said, in the WNBA and college women's basketball i'm sure it's a pretty competitive uh, landscape to get a role like this uh, and she should have uh, wowed them with something that basically got of this gig i obviously will be keeping an eye on the memphis uh, grizzlies basketball starting next year so that's exciting um, yes I, yeah i was just going to say that uh, yeah. to you know to add to what you said i agree with you i think what is going to be her role and i'm equally curious and i'm hoping that someone right woge or you know i know peter king does football but someone or mark stein for example someone does a piece on the how how exactly did the grizzlies yeah basically uh, you know source uh, identify her as someone they wanted to go after. I mean, I would be really curious because it feels like a complete uh, left field, but a very logical choice. But I'm just curious to know how they got to it. Yes, yes. Uh, Speaking of uh, coaching hires out of left field, uh, did you see Steve Nash is staying over the Brooklyn Nets? That's just amazing. Indeed. This guy was so away from the game and he was calling like EPL soccer matches on TV and stuff like that. I'm like, where did this come from? Uh, in some ways, it is more surprising than Sonia Raman becoming a assistant coach, right? Because I thought this guy will never come back to basketball in any serious capacity, but I'm happy he's there. I'm going to be rooting for him as well, even though uh, we have no allegiance to the Brooklyn Nets. 
because you and I, Ravi, are, I think, a uh, big fan of the seven seconds of or less Suns uh, era. And this guy is super smart. I think he's going to have, do some things as a head coach that people are not expecting. What was your reaction to him landing in Brooklyn? So, you know what, I've, the only thing I felt bad about was that he never had the opportunity and candidly now is probably not the uh, opportunity from the team standpoint either for him to coach the Suns. I mean, that would have been the ultimate marriage made in heaven, like a legend playing for uh, you know a certain team and then comes back to coach that team. But I'm so happy. I mean, again, as you know, uh, he is by far my favorite NBA player that I've followed and uh, I feel yeah. he richly deserves this. And uh, you, you said it very right. I think he kind of worked the last 10 years or so of his career, playing career, almost like a player coach, right? I mean, mm. uh, and, and we've discussed it before, you know, some that some things that we align on, others that we don't. But my feeling always has been that uh, uh, this, the latter part of D'Antoni in Phoenix, much of Gentry in Phoenix and whatever happened since then, I think Nash was pretty much functioning as the, as the orchestrator and uh, quarterback on the floor as the point guard and coach. So I think he'll do well. What was interesting was the obvious affiliation between him and KD during their respective times at, at the Warriors was quoted a lot. But what wasn't mentioned as much, except in a few areas, was that he and Sean Marks were very close when they were in Phoenix. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. And and I think uh, that was a much stronger bond, I believe, which led to that led to Nash being considered and then eventually chosen as the coach. I'm super right. thrilled. I'm super thrilled. And by the way, talking about it on the other side, on the flip side, on a more irritated slide aside, I was just appalled at uh, Stephen A. Smith and his rant. Though much of what he says seems very orchestrated. It is. It is. I think he didn't even think through his first, uh, you know, monologue about how this is white privilege. And I think he kind of forgot or he ignored, you know, Derek Fisher getting the next jobs and all of that. And then when that became the biggest news of the day where people were repeatedly pointing to D-Fish and, you know, even Dark Rewards before that and, you know, Steve and Jason Kidd. Jackson, Jason Kidd. Next day he came in and I felt like he was totally twisting and turning. And now his argument seems to be that it is white privilege that he got a championship ready team as if it's okay to get, I, I don't know what his point was. First of all, championship ready jobs don't become available, right? That's right. That's only, right. It's only bad teams that fire coaches. It's only once in 10, 15 years that you even get like a San Antonio Spurs of the 98 or whatever when Pop took over or when Riley took over the Wade, uh, what do you call Wade uh, Shaq team. In fact, most of the time when championship ready teams do a coaching change, it's a little fishy and a little yes. wrong, actually. Even in yes. this case, nobody's talking about why or how uh, Atkinson even got fired, right? So it's very rare that you get good teams firing good coaches to hire. Uh, uh, you know, another coach. Remember, even Mark Jackson firing was controversial. Correct. People Correct. People were like, why are you firing this guy? He made the second round of the playoffs and then the first round of the playoffs. So, to me, that whole argument that it is white privilege because he got a championship-ready job is like, you guys talk about this like it's happening every year. No, only bad teams fire coaches in the first place. 
and hey. this guy is a 18 year nba veteran and he is going to of course get some opportunities that you know sonia raman does not get right uh so i thought the whole thing was made up but by the way before uh, i turned over to you did you watch him talk on tnt yesterday so i did not yeah so he nash himself was asked about this and he gave a very good answer he basically said white privilege exists of course we all agree on that but he also made sure that this was not uh, white privilege he explained why it's not basically he was saying i spent 18 years in the league of course he's going to get some breaks that you know you and i cannot get or even steven a cannot get right but what was also interesting revi was i always thought it was uh, sean marks convincing him but i don't know if he's totally being transparent here but apparently he called in asking for the job uh, wow. i don't know if hmm. kd kd asked him to do that or kd was trying to convince him i don't know what that how the triangle worked between him kd and sean marks but you are absolutely right all three are friends in their own ways and uh, i agree with you i don't think this is a great example of uh, white privilege indeed and uh, and i need to by the way check out the tnt piece i didn't even know about it so i will definitely do that um and you are right i think uh, uh, what steven a smith said i do i feel fairly certain that you know the minute it came out of his mouth he realized that he himself wouldn't be a keen listener to it in the sense he didn't believe anything that he was that was coming off of his mouth right But right that also uh, kind of going on a slight tangent to me feels like the modus operandi for some of these uh, you know the the talk the, shows the sense, yeah the talks especially the sensation causer so to speak like him and skip bailers Yeah. Uh, and we'll quick, we'll talk about what he said if if you'd like for a second but it feels like they know what they are saying they're not dumb enough to not know it i think they know exactly what they are saying but in the kind of uh, uh heavy noise driven uh, environment that we are in uh, with social media and all of it they know it's going to make news and it's going to make heavy news with limited liability and accountability it's not like they are going to lose their jobs because right. of it. Right. Uh, because it's an opinion not a fact so i think uh, they know exactly what they're doing and you know let uh, it, it's unfortunate that they are getting away with it yeah yeah and i think it just make sure a couple more thousand of of people like listen to them the next day as, yes uh, exactly th- that's the goal of the whole thing uh cool and i think as for the basketball itself it looks like it's just Uh, a slow roll towards the lakers clippers western conference finals and the more drama might be on the east ravi and uh, i you know I, it just it does look like whoever wins the lakers clippers is going to win the championship though personally as a you know la hater in some ways i'm going to be rooting for whoever comes out of the east which could be again miami or boston or toronto i just do not know that that the teams seem to be so tightly packed and after watching warriors for 5 years it looks like all these teams are pretty flawed and you know they're just uh, anything can happen with these guys how do you how do you see the rest of the playoffs 
the i am actually not only do i also feel that the, it's going to be the clippers or the lakers but i am i am ready to fast forward the western conference <laughs> uh, uh, fast forward to the western conference finals because it's absolute torture watching the rockets play uh, and i know we have discussed this before but their style of play and especially when it's not coming off when the threes aren't falling it looks like they're taking basketball back to i don't even know uh, what 60 years ago um and they uh, give up too they themselves they, yes you and me they they themselves they, seems to give up and you know where it really shows shows very explicitly is obviously on defense right i mean where you see that they're not even making an effort to uh, go get a rebound uh, and things that you typically tell you know four year olds playing you know for the local city recreational uh, summer school camp for the first time that hey if you take a shot go follow it none of that seems to be uh, adhered to even by the rockets and so i think yeah it's a, it's a torture to see them play i mean to be fair i think denver's doing a little bit better it's just that i think they're outmatched uh, yes, yes, but but yes. but yeah i agree with you i mean on the flip side the toronto boston series has been real fun especially the last game was just crazy absolute bonkers uh, yes. overall basketball has been a lot of fun for the last couple of months must admit yes so when we talk next time ravi you probably have a lot more intelligent things to say about fantasy football and the nfl and uh, nba would be in its uh, uh, you know western conference finals and the eastern conference finals stage 2 it should be a fun show looking forward to that uh, next week uh, you stay safe and listeners stay safe as well sounds good i've been looking forward to connecting again in the next week or so